the saga continues. Wu-Tang, Wu-Tang. Olympic torch flaming, we burn so sweet. The thrill of victory, the agony defeat. We crush slow, flaming deluxe slow. Poor judgment day cometh, conquer is war. Allow- welcome back to the Throws Chat Podcast. I welcome on discus thrower Sam Mattis. Sam is a three-time NCAA All-American and NCAA champion at University of Pennsylvania. Uh, Ivy League athlete, probably one of the best in Ivy League history. Sam, thanks for coming on today. No worries. Good to be here. Ah, so, Sam, you know, you've been throwing discus a while. What what kind of got you into glorious sport, track and field? Uh, football. I mean, I think that's how it starts for a lot of people. Um. I mean, I was always pretty active as a kid. I always played sports. Like, I played soccer and baseball and swam growing up. Um, eighth grade, played football. Liked it a bit, so figured I'd go for the track team to try to stay in shape. Was pretty terrible at all the other events. Uh, tripped over a hurdle in my first race and was told I'm going to be throwing. Okay. So you, so you didn't go out trying to seek out the throws. You were trying to... No. <laughs> you are trying to be an actual athlete. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that, that didn't work out too well because I'm not very athletic. <laughs> So was that in high school or uh, junior high or uh, eighth grade? So and the junior high. Okay. Um, so yeah. you commit your life to the throwing events. Yeah, uh, my dad was a thrower in school, so um, he was he was pretty good at coaching me. He, um, I think he had the William and, uh, William and Mary record in the hammer throw for a while, and oh, was okay. like top ten there for shot put through just about eighteen meters, I want to say, uh, for shot and sixty something for hammer. Um, so he, he was good at getting me started uh, once I was told I was throwing instead of running and trying to be athletic. Mm-hmm. That, that sounds cool. Uh, what kind of When did you kind of realize you kind of have, like, I guess a kind of sort of talent for discus? Uh, I don't know. So my first meet in eighth grade, I threw 77 feet with the 1K. Uh, so definitely mm-hmm. not then. Respectable, respectable. <laughs> but uh, by the end of the season, I just I just liked it. Somehow 77 feet like won the first meet. So everyone likes the feeling of winning. So I was like, oh, I want to keep winning. So uh, I just kept training. My dad started coaching me that season. By the end of the season, I think I threw like 137 with the 1K. Mm-hmm. And uh, won, like, our county's junior high school championship for the discus and was top three or so for shot. Um, so at that point, it was something where I decided I, I'm just going to focus on this because um, I didn't really love the idea of playing high school football. Like, I, I liked it. I liked watching football. It was okay, but I just – there was something about track that I just liked a little more. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I figured I'd just dedicate myself to that and try to get good. So you kind of decided that, like, when you're a freshman in high school, just tracks the name of the game for their... Yeah, basically. <laughs> um, and then started seeking some outside help besides my dad, um, going to different coaches around the area. And uh, by the end of my freshman year in high school, through 169, I believe, with the 1.6. So started actually getting good. Nice. Um, and uh, kind of took off from there. Awesome. So you're kind of like... I'm going to go out and throw discus every day type of kid. Yeah. Or we, yeah. Oh, so yeah, yeah. Year round? <laughs> yep. Basically. Um, just in the winters, outside if I had to. Uh, we didn't really have any indoor facilities. Um, we basically threw off of a basketball court uh-huh. uh, into a wall with like a, a small med ball. Um, but our basketball team had priority <laughs> uh, for, for the uh, basketball court, so... 
be outside in the winter, shoveling through snow uh, to make a circle and then trying to find the discs. Yeah, but in a way, like, so our last episode, we kind of spoke with Dane about, you know, kind of like the struggle of the elements. It's almost kind of, there's like a thrill to it, though. Oh, yeah, for sure. Like, I love the cold. Um, I mean, like, I hate it. I hate the cold. It sucks. (laughs) But uh, you also kind of grow to love it, and it it makes you a lot tougher uh, mentally, I think, in meets. Um, Especially if you're going up against some of the guys, not not to knock on them because they're great throwers, but like the guys in Chula Vista, yeah, um, just <laughs> you know get to enjoy tropical weather year round. And you know, last week it was like 33 degrees here over the weekend when we were training and windy and raining. Um, so you, you just get an an added element of like mental toughness, and it really tests you and test your commitment to the sport. So I think that helps a lot too. You've kind of stuck in the Northeast your, your entire life, right? It sucks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I grew up in Jersey and now I'm in the middle of nowhere, Pennsylvania. So kind of same type of weather. Great town, Leesport, PA. Can't yeah, beat it. It's too hot in the summer, too cold in the winters. <laughs> and you can't breathe in the summer either. No, it's like 95% humidity and so buggy and terrible. <laughs> uh, so you kind of started noticing you're getting a talent for it um, throughout the middle of high school. Um, mm-hmm. Were you kind of like a highly seeked after, sought after kid? Uh, yeah, I guess so. Um, so I also had really good grades in high school because my mm-hmm. parents uh, had always emphasized that um, they wouldn't let me do track if I wasn't getting like all A's. Yeah. Um, so I more or less got to choose what school um, I wanted to go to um, after my recruiting visits and just ended up at Penn. I like the people mm-hmm. and I like Philly and that was kind of it. See, I always thought that was kind of interesting. Um, kind of around the same time that you went to Penn. Um, another New Jersey guy that went to an Ivy League was uh, Stephen Moja, who mm-hmm. uh, shot putter competes for Nigeria. Yeah, like complete savage. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was interesting. That's like, because uh, I guess in, in my mind when I think of like the Ivy League, I always thought of it as like, uh, no offense, but a bunch of eggheads that like weren't mm-hmm. really that great of athletes. That's pretty. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but then like you, you two kind of came in and like you on the discus side and then him on the shot put side, like you guys kind of brought a lot of prominence to like, you know, how competitive like Ivy League athletes could be. Like, mm-hmm. did, did you guys kind of see each other at a lot of meets or did, yeah, were you we competitive? Threw, we threw against each other starting high school. Yeah. Uh, so we'd see each other at States, um, I think starting my junior year or so, um, maybe sophomore year. I can't remember that far back. Uh, so we knew each other, and mm-hmm. then obviously, like, since we're both in the Ivy League and Northeast, we're going to mostly the same meets, and everybody goes to the same big invitational, so I'd see them, like, every week or two mm-hmm. um, throughout the season, indoor and outdoor. Um, but yeah, the Ivy League, I think there's something about throwing that kind of requires you to be a little smarter than the average athlete, because it's just such a technical a sport. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, I think it... You wouldn't think of it as a fit for, like, an Ivy League environment, but I, I think it is because you have to be very analytical to succeed at throwing. I can definitely see that. Um, I think that, I think that's something that a lot of people don't seem to understand that don't really know throwers. They probably think they're just big, dumb meatheads. And, mm-hmm. and, you know, some of us are. You know, oh, no. You can't yeah, nice. All of them are. <laughs> <laughs> to, to an extent, but I feel like you, you kind of hit the nail on the head, though. Like, once you really want to really push yourself to be better than, you know, a certain level – you need to start being more analytical about, you know, your technique, the movement in the circle, and then trying to execute that every single time 
10,000 yeah. going on 100,000 right. different times. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> it's not, I mean, obviously sprinting is still technical, but yeah. more or less you're, you're going in a straight line and you're trying to go as fast as you can. Throwing, you really need to be a student of the sport and, mm-hmm. and know what you need to do, where your body needs to be and how to recover and translate drills into actual throws. So did the allure of like um, going out west or going down south ever kind of hit you like in high school where you're kind of like, I'm getting kind of tired of throwing in the snow in New Jersey. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I still, I think everybody wishes I didn't have to deal with the snow. Um, uh, I never really considered the south. Um, I did get a call from Stanford and was going to visit them for one of my recruiting trips. And then my mom uh, threw some stuff at my head and wouldn't let me go out there. Because she kind of knew I would never be coming back if I went out to Stanford, so I was stuck in the Northeast. <laughs> I gotcha. Um, but I, I really never planned on being a professional thrower. Mm-hmm. Um, I just wanted to go to school, get a good job, make a lot of money. Never really saw myself, you know, throwing and living under the poverty line. Uh, so that's kind of why I chose the Ivy League. But you know, here I am. <laughs> so what, what was the transition like um, leaving home and heading out to Philadelphia and basically living in the big city, you know? Mm-hmm. Well, Jersey's <laughs> kind of just a giant suburb in between New York and Philly, so I was pretty yeah, familiar I can, with I can both see those that. cities to begin with. So <laughs> honestly, it wasn't, in terms of getting adjusted to a city, it wasn't a huge transition because I had been to Philly a bunch before and it's like 90 minutes down the road from where I grew up. Um, but there's definitely a big transition going from high school to college mm-hmm. in terms of just the extra responsibility that you have to take on um, and just the workload. And also the discus is a lot heavier. Yeah. Um, like that 0.4 kilos makes a huge difference. Yeah. And I can also see, um, you know, with that workload hitting you, like you're trying to get stronger, but then like. Along with the academic side, because I know Penn is, you know, one of the toughest academic schools, obviously, being in the Ivy League, but I can imagine, like, also kind of, like, the allure of just college can kind of hit an athlete quite a bit. Oh, yeah. So, like, you know, that was one of the big (laughs) things that Dane and I were talking about last week was, um, because, you know, I'm in college, so it's like, I can say, you know, college kids can be, I don't want to say stupid, but kind of sort of stupid. And, Mm. you know, but you, you try to explore things around, like, did that ever kind of, like hit you in a way where, like, Dane ended up having a, a big struggle with it. Um, he partied quite a bit. Did you – did that ever kind of hit you too hard? <laughs> I uh, definitely also partied quite a bit. <laughs> um, I, I guess I, I was always able to just either recover well after parties and hydrate well or just kind of suck it up and get out there hungover. Like, I would – maybe I missed one or two practices um, throughout college from – being hungover or mm-hmm. still drunk the next morning. <laughs> um, but I, I was always able to just tough it out and push through. And also like during the season, you know, like you just, it's not that hard to just say, okay, like I'm here to throw now. Yeah. Like, I'm obviously here to get an education, but my secondary responsibility is to the track team. So I'm mm-hmm. going to just quit partying so much and just focus on throwing. And like, you can have some fun. Yeah. Um, but I, Definitely towards like senior year, I got my act together a okay. lot better. I think the results showed that. Did did the workload like ever really get you down sometimes? Like the academic workload. Yeah, the academic. Uh, freshman and sophomore year, definitely. Yeah. Um, like that was that was definitely a hard transition. Um, and at Penn, just there's a lot of work, 
and there are a lot of nights where I'd get like three, four hours of sleep, you know, and then just have to go to practice or class the next morning and keep doing that for a few weeks. Um, but by the time I got to junior and senior year, I was pretty far ahead in terms of uh, class requirements, which is kind of what I'd been planning freshman and sophomore year, which is why my freshman and sophomore year kind of sucked. Um, so thankfully, since I was so far ahead, I only had to take like three or four classes each semester, uh, junior and senior year, and could kind of focus on track a lot more. So what were you studying while then? Finance. Finance, finance. Mm -hmm. um, how would you describe your progression like throughout college? Um, so you, you threw pretty far uh, in high school, I think. Mm -hmm. You have the New Jersey state record? Mm -hmm. Yeah. How far is that? 218. 218. Okay, so 218 feet. That's, that's pretty far. That's all right. <laughs> I'll have uh, like a few 220-somethings. Oh, those would have been nice. They really would have been. <laughs> um, yeah, so how, how would you describe like the transition like as an athlete in terms of like, um, I assume you're trying to like pack on size, um, get mm. stronger, adapt to the disc. Like what was your, like how would you describe your progression throughout college like athletically? So I think um, going back to the transition, when you're in high school, even if you have a great high school coach, um, everything is very organized, but for like in terms of your daily schedule, but for some reason it seems that high school throwing is just very loose and not so organized. So like with a few exceptions, you're kind of coaching yourself or getting some help online or from your dad or something. Mm -hmm. um, and then once you get to college, it kind of flips where the track portion is super organized, uh, but everything else is very loose and you just gotta like take care of your own life and package it in a way that works for you. So that's definitely tough getting a handle of that. Um, and with the organization comes extra time commitment and you know, you're gonna have a strength coach and a throwing coach and you have to adapt to their systems and kind of get used to being a quasi-professional athlete. Not saying that every program is at that level, but you, you, everything's just scheduled and regimented. Um, and that's definitely hard to get used to. Yeah, I, I, mean, I think that's a transition most you know, collegiates have to go to, even, even in smaller schools. But I think especially when you reach a high level, um, like um, what Penn was trying to produce with their team, where you have that regimented schedule, you know, people are somewhat keeping track of you. The fact is you still have to do the work. Like yeah. You still have yeah. to balance the time um, and, you know, get the reps and sets in and also get the hours in in the classroom. So uh, I think I think that's something that um, when people are transitioning to, it's a rude awakening, but I still think it helps, you know, for at least high schoolers to understand that's like the expectation yeah, that you're exactly. going to have, you know. And also, I mean, just from my observations and experience, the first – three to five weeks of college, every freshman gets sick because you're overextending yourself academically, you're partying too much, trying to meet people, and all of a sudden your training is just ramped up to another level that you've never experienced. So unless you're really taking care of yourself, like every freshman gets sick their first month at school. Mm. Uh, so kind of take us through like, um, what was your, like, I guess like distance progression wise, like, um, you th you actually won um you know, you're a three time All American you won NCAs as a junior mm -hmm. um, correct um what what was kind of like that journey of that season to get you to that point because yeah. that was so, a big moment yeah definitely so my freshman year uh, if we want to start at the beginning yeah um I definitely think my freshman year is pretty disappointing um I, I definitely you know was 
exhausted from school, partied too much, um, and just wasn't really technically focused Mm -hmm. while I was throwing. I was kind of just exercising instead of training. And I think there's a big difference between the two. Like when you train, you've got a specific goal, every rep that you take, um, and you keep that in mind the whole time that you're working out, but exercise, you're just kind of going out there, you're taking 30 throws, you're not concentrating on anything. You go back home, you didn't get better at all. Um, so I think that was part of the problem my freshman year. Um, definitely got a lot stronger. Uh, we had a really good strength coach, Stephen Brindle at, uh, at Penn. Um, but that, that year ended up 13th at regionals, uh, which is the worst spot to be in because you just miss, miss nationals by, I think it was a few centimeters. Um, so that sucked. <laughs> and then sophomore year got my act together a little bit. Uh, I think the end of freshman year, I threw 58 meters, uh, like 191 mm-hmm. or so. Uh, sophomore year, um, definitely concentrated more on school and track, a little bit less partying, um, and was able to throw 62 meters. Um, my dad and I started freshman year. Uh, my dad and I didn't work together too much, but sophomore year, uh, started working together again. So kind of had the high school system that we had and that paid off. I think I came in fifth at nationals and all American for the first time. And I actually... Am I, oh, no, never mind. I didn't qualify for USA. Or I didn't go, rather, because I was working um, over the summer interning uh, J.P. Morgan. And then junior year, um, my class schedule kind of lightened up a little bit, so had a lot more time to work out. Um, but honestly, during the season, I was really frustrated because yeah. um, I'd throw like 60, 61 meters or 62 low every meet which was kind of what I was throwing at half the meets the year before. So I was just like, I'm not getting any better. This sucks. Um, and uh, my dad, coach, and strength coach uh, were all like, just hold on. We're, we're going to peak towards the end season. We have a plan. Like, don't get too frustrated. And then my last throw of the last meet, PR'd um, through like 62-48. Yeah, 62-48. Um, last throw to an NCAAs, and that was just awesome. Yeah. Like, uh, how, how would you describe kind of, like, the feeling you had going into the throw and then after the throw? So that whole meet, um, I'd been throwing pretty well. I think my first throw sucked. Like, it was, like, 57. But every other throw was, like, 61.80 to 62.20. So I knew that I definitely could win. Yeah. Um, and I was winning for most of the competition until, like, the fourth or fifth throw. Um, and, like, every throw, I was just feeling pretty good, just feeling like, oh, pretty good at the inch or like a moment off of just getting a big throw out there and the last throw i went in really confidently hayward field when it doesn't rain and isn't freezing is a really cool place to throw yeah because it's packed and people are really into track so and i think disc was the only thing happening because all the running events have just ended so the whole crowd was into it and like clapping and that just got me super pumped up and went out there and had a nice throw awesome uh, so how how would you say so you, so you won nationals your junior year mm-hmm. what was it like you trying to prepping for your senior year about to graduate and you're trying to defend that title and you know get an even better year what was that like um, so senior year we kind of went in um, not worrying about NCAA's too much but instead worrying about making a spot on the Olympic team uh, which did not pan out <laughs> but that was our focus so it was kind of even a level above the training that we were uh, we were going through my junior year. Uh, so the whole year we just focused on 
hitting the A standard uh, early in the season and then trying to maintain a little bit and have a big peak at trials. So we're super technically focused. Like every practice I was making uh, technical changes and improvements, uh, got a good bit stronger, uh, a lot more explosive and first meet of the year through 67 meters and then through 65. So everything was going well. Then I got the flu and then I got the flu again. <laughs> oh, twice. Uh, yeah, I mean, it probably wasn't the flu the second time, but it, like, I just... We'll say the flu. Yeah. <laughs> I just did not do anything for, like, ten days. I couldn't move from my bed. Um, lost a lot of strength and just, like, that pop, kind of. Yeah. Um, and couldn't really come back by the end of the season, so kind of learned that you should get your flu shots when your parents tell you to. <laughs> it's funny, because I actually went through something very similar. I know it's, you know... The, the, the level in which I was dealing with it and the level you were at are completely different levels. I, I understand that. But I know my senior year of high school, uh, after I won the indoor state meet, um, I got the flu at, I want to say it was actually at indoor New Balance Nationals at the Armory. That sucks. Like, <laughs> like so. It's a terrible disease. <laughs> basically what happened was, is I go to the meet, I was feeling great. My peak was going great. I was like, I'm mm-hmm. ready to, I threw 59.7 at the state meet. And I was like, we're ready to go 60 feet today. And I get into the ring and I start throwing, and like I, even though I felt good for some reason, the distance wouldn't come. Yeah, like it just, just wouldn't flat. go anywhere. Yeah. And I threw like 55 feet. I'm like, I don't understand. I feel okay. I then like get back from New York that night, and at like 3 a.m. I just wake up puking my guts out. Yep. <laughs> and then over the course of a week, I lost like 20 pounds. Yeah. And I would, and like we had our first outdoor meet for high school, like coming up in like two weeks and I could only throw 52 feet like that first day. Yeah. I'm like, this sucks. It took me until pen relays, uh, which was like another month and a half before I was in similar condition to the way I was in at the end of indoor season. So it's like, like I said, it's it, it's comparable in the sense that we kind of have the same uh, disease and that it affects us similar, but at the same time, like that going after a national title in NCAs and winning a state title are two completely different things. I mean, similar experiences though, and just you know being at a point where you're just crushing everything and yeah. feeling good, and like every throw you go out and you're, you're thinking to yourself, this could be a PR, and then like two weeks later. You're weak, you're light, and you can't move. Yeah. Just it sucks. It's just all gone, and there's nothing you can do to prevent it. My first meet back from uh, after I had the flu uh, was pen relays, and it had been about three weeks after I threw 65, and I threw like 59 on the best throw, but every single other throw was 57. Yeah. Like, it just, it sucked. How would you describe that meet? Uh, Because I remember that that was a big deal, like... Um, on various throwing websites when you threw that 67. Like, what was that meet like? Because that would have been... That was a five-meter PR for you that day? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, that doesn't really happen. I know. <laughs> um, so, honestly, towards the end of my junior year, uh, I was throwing um, in practice probably about 64 meters. Um, yeah. Uh, 63, 64, occasionally 65. Um like, I, I thought I could have thrown 63 or 64 at Nationals, but, I mean, 62-48 is fine. It's close enough. Yeah. Um, so, it's really just two-ish meters better than I was throwing at the end of the year, my junior year. Um, but that, that day was pretty surreal. It was my birthday, first meet of the season. It was snowing. <laughs> um, and then I just 
through 67 and then 66 the throw after that um and it was weird because they're also like 15 people watching because it was 35 degrees out (laughs) but it was awesome um and now people don't think it's real (laughs) (laughs) it is (laughs) it happened uh you're you're on the iaaf world list there (laughs) you were leading for a while weren't you yeah for about a month i mean no one throws in march (laughs) like no no professional has any reason to throw in march especially like anywhere north of like virginia yeah oh and it's still cold out but you know you're in college so you just want to get out and throw and your team doesn't meet so no you know it was nice (laughs) so you so you come off like an incredible early season um basically unfortunately you get the flu you know your postseason um nationals doesn't work out the way you want it to um how would you describe like your decision making like because if i recall you were you were offered like a pretty good job out of college or at least you were considering going to yeah. like what what can you explain like what that was uh so i made a mistake and decided to keep throwing <laughs> 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 uh yeah so i interned at jp morgan uh for two summers uh-huh um is that uh, in new york city yeah i was in manhattan Jeez. um and they pay bankers a lot of money. I'm not sure if you've heard about that. On no, Wall no. Street. Yeah, they uh, they get paid a lot of money. I also uh, I also hear <laughs> people like to occupy your street. They do, they do occasionally. Um, <laughs> so um, I was offered a full time position there going into my senior year, um, but decided to throw in because I had just won nationals uh, in the middle of that summer and decided to throw instead. I mean I. It was fine working for J.P. Morgan. Um, the hours kind of sucked. I mean, the hours really sucked. Like, yeah. like a minimum 14-hour day. Really? Um, yeah. I was usually there from like 8 to 10-ish, usually. Wow. Um, some nights I'd like get home, shower, and wake up two hours later and go back to work. <laughs> or... During uh, the, the early parts of that summer, actually, um, going to USA's, because I had started work before USA's, I'd have to um, walk over to a park in New York at about 4.45 in the morning mm-hmm. uh, when no one was there, train, come back home, shower, and at 7 a.m. go back to work, get home at like 10, 11, and then do the same thing for two or three weeks. Um but it's a lot of money. <laughs> yeah. So, so that, I mean, that that's got to be at least really good preparation for at least the mindset of where you have to be now. Yeah, right? I think that's another thing where it just tests your commitment and how badly you want to succeed. Um, just you know, a waking up ludicrously early to train like that, and also be saying no to a lot of money um, in terms of very financially insecure future of, uh, of being a thrower because mm-hmm. uh, throwing is not a very lucrative sport. Really? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, it's not. Not at all. <laughs> well, I mean, I think, I, th- I think uh, this is something I was talking about with, um, with Dane. It's just like, um, he's just trying to change. I, th- I think, well, maybe not making Wall Street money. Um, I think there, I think there's definitely <laughs> a way to change um, kind of like where things are going. I mean, because I'm pretty sure people will be like, there's. I'm pretty sure people 10, 15 years ago would say, wow, you, there's no way you'd ever be able to get paid to work out. 
and now CrossFit, like yeah. you can be like a CrossFit athlete. Yeah. So I, I think I think if you kind of change like uh, the way, I, I think if you kind of change the 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 sport from the bottom from like the ground up, you know, yeah, I think I agree. Create a market. I think I think it's possible. Yeah, um, like I said. Wall Street money, maybe that's a bit. Yeah, <laughs> that's a bit extreme. <laughs> trying to, in comparison no, to that, being able to meet ends meet would uh, would be nice. But yeah, I, I think you know people like watching big, strong people do things. Yeah, like look at Instagram. A lot of the the most popular accounts are, are not on Instagram itself. Those are all celebrities. But like among athletes, it's yeah, athletes doing ridiculous athletic things. Mm-hmm. People like watching that. So I think getting just marketing the sport better is, is one easy step to take to, to get athletes a little more money to make the sport attractive, and then you get more athletes in and better athletes, and it's kind of just a virtuous cycle. Yeah, I, I, that's that's exactly what I agree with, and I think that's what we, what we should be striving for. Um, so you, you graduate Penn. Um, you made the decision to not work with uh, as a banker. Where mm-hmm. You could be making quite a bit of money. Yes. <laughs> uh, you now live. You now live in actually my hometown of Leesport, Pennsylvania. Oh yeah. Um, what kind of made you change? Make the decision that I'm gonna instead of go to New York, I'm gonna go to Leesport, uh, <laughs> and I'm gonna pursue the uh, the craft of the professional throw. Uh, so <laughs> uh, like winning NCAA's was definitely a big part of it, and I kind of sat down at the end of the summer and just thought about you know, how I wanted my life to go. Yeah. Um, you know, money is nice, but at the same time, it, money in and of itself isn't fulfilling. Yeah. Um, and I, I want to lead a life that I can look back on with as few regrets as possible. Yeah. Um, and I think this is the path that I'm taking to achieve that, uh, where, you know, it's not like I can make money for a few years and then come back to throw it. It doesn't work that way. I could yeah. throw for a few years and then go back to money. Yeah. Um, and I think that, you know, throwing was very fulfilling for me. Um, I really like the, the process really, um, mm-hmm. you know, there's, there's beauty in the struggle a little yeah. bit. Um, so I, I knew I wanted to throw after that point and then it was a matter of figuring out how and where. And um, I was considering Chula Vista, I was considering just living at home like a bum, and uh, <laughs> then I came across Dane uh, in, in the middle of Pennsylvania, and trained with him a few times my senior year, and just really, kind of, I, I just really liked the way that he approaches athletics, and he, he just takes a very all-encompassing approach to it, and, yeah. and I, I so how did you meet Dane? I'm curious. Like, was he was he just like a nut job off the start, or I mean, he is a nut job. <laughs> he is a total. Like, he is a period. total nut job. <laughs> but Great guy. Total. It's, nut it's job. actually <laughs> really random. So one of uh, one of our guys who graduated two years before me, um, he was a pretty good shot putter. He threw just under 18 meters. Um, he got into weightlifting after he graduated, and was um, you know we keep in touch because we were like best friends in college um and he said hey sam and noah knows um another thrower team uh found uh this this coach in pennsylvania he's really good i think we should go up for a day and just you know hear him out practice with him mm-hmm. lift with him like kind of pick his brain for a little bit so we went up 
uh, well, before we went over, he sent Dane a video of me throwing, and Dane tore me apart, yeah. and my dad got pissed, <laughs> and like called Dane and was like, "Oh, you're a coward. You don't even know him." Um, so we had a really, like, really great start to our relationship. <laughs> uh, but we went up um, to Dane, and uh, he had some really interesting ideas. We really yeah. liked. Um, how he structured workouts and just the kind of like the grit that he kind of brings to, to mm-hmm. each workout and session. And we liked it a lot. So we decided to go up again in a month. And then later we went up again a month later and then got him down to Penn for a little bit. And when it came time to decide where um, I wanted to go, um, Chula is enticing because it's free and beautiful weather year-round, Yeah. but I just thought that I would be happier and be more able to achieve success here, so yeah. it, it wasn't the toughest decision. I'll tell you what, um, it was really interesting to see, to hear about this, like, secondhand, that Dane was working with you, because, mm-hmm. like, up to that point, I think Dane was kind of used to, like, having athlete, athletes like me, like, kind of schlubby kids that would be, like... <laughs> he would actually get to, like, a pretty decent level. So it was, like, this was the first time, like, I saw Dane, like, he's going to get a thrower who's, like, actually, like, a legit thrower. And I was really curious to see, like, what, uh, uh, you know, like like I said, in comparison, like, I thought, I was like, oh, shoot, let's see, well, how this turns out. And I was really, as, uh, you know, I came up to see you guys and, like, meet you for the first time. I was like, man, they get together really well in this, like, I, I think these guys are going to do really well together. Like, this is yeah, awesome. Yeah, that's so uh, cool. <laughs> I was really happy to see that, like, um, you know, Dane had that chance to test himself with a, with an athlete of your caliber. Um, and, you know, like I said, every time I come out now, it's just a treat, you know, training with you guys, Rachel, Luke, and, like, you know, seeing, seeing where garage strength was when I was here yeah. four years ago to where oh, it is yeah. now. It's he's, like... He's blown up. Yeah, it's crazy. Um how would you describe, like, the training environment, like, at Garage Strength and stuff? <laughs> Savage. <laughs> uh, it's just, it, it's intense, uh, which I really like. Like, there's no room for anyone complaining about anything or feeling sorry for themselves. Yeah. Like, you will just get berated if you do that. Mm-hmm. And you also just can't because, you know, I'm, I mean, I'm young, I'm 23, but there are, like, 17-year-olds in that gym working out just as hard as me and lifting just as much as I do. Uh, so you see like these youth athletes that are just being savages and you realize that you just need to grow up Mm -hmm. and, you know, focus on getting better every session. And Dane's also super energetic and intense. Um, so every practice just kind of, you know, uh, reflects that, um, it's got intensity and focus and everything that you could want. And, and that's what I kind of like about why I'm coming around recently is um, the way that you guys seem to mix levity with um, a hard training environment is really interesting. Like, you guys seem to mix, like, having fun with the hard, yeah. you know, nose to the grindstone training that, like, Dane's known for. Yeah, I mean, um, no one wants to just, you know, be sad and get yelled at the whole time they're training. That would suck. So, like, we bullshit in between reps and stuff, but then the second I step in the circle, it's, it's serious. Exactly. Um, and, then, and that's what you kind of need. And what, what I think is great um, about 
the way that Dane has it set up now is I don't really have that exposure to like you know elite level being an elite athlete being able to balance something like that when I was mm-hmm. in high school when it was just me it was like I was like I was like the top the one of the higher end kids mm-hmm. so it's like it was just a high school training group right now it's like you guys kind of have this nice blend of like high school kids college athletes and post-collegiates that I think is like a unique and training environment that you don't really see almost in any other yeah. training group in the U.S. Like, how would you describe, like, going from college to now you're basically training with high school kids again and, like, what that dynamic's kind of like? Yeah, honestly, like, the high school kids here have, have some more commitment and grit than some of the collegiate athletes that I was training with. <laughs> so, like, yeah. in college, you, you've got a, a wide spectrum of athletes on any team in college. Like, you've got kids that are walk-on, you got kids that are just there to do it, and then you've got you know, the kids are serious and want to accomplish things. Um, but here it's like every athlete is just trying to crush it. Mm-hmm. Um, like we've got um, me, Rachel, uh, Rachel Fatherly is a great shot putter. Uh, Mel Kenny White, um, discus thrower, post both of those post-collegiate guys um, killing it. And then we'll get like um, like Alex Rose or Tim Nettow or, or Mo Riddick to visit and, and bring something extra. But then even the high school kids are, are all crushing shit and mm-hmm. they they want to be out there and do just as well and throw just as far as we do uh so it's just a, it's a very unique environment because you see kids develop you see people who are you know who are developed and just trying to like throw professionally at an incredibly high level and make world teams and get medals and then even when you're done throwing when you go inside he's got youth and junior lifters who are making world teams and pan am teams so there's no room to just, you know, chill on a lift and sit back and just lift to lift. Like, the intensity is there in the weight room, too. Yeah, how would you describe, um, like, maybe not, like, a typical day, but, like, what it's kind of like for you, you know, on average off-season day where you're kind of, you know, where you wake it up, train, like, what, what what's that like for you, just, like, knowing that this is, like, my main goal and, like, every day counts and, like, day like the work for today is training like yeah I, I think that that's a good way of putting it. like you're I, or I am a professional athlete and you got to think of throwing not as a fun hobby but as your job and livelihood so yeah. every day that I'm training it's an investment in getting better which is going to lead to getting into more meets and doing better at national and international meets and making more money so every day that I'm working out that's an investment that I'm hoping to pay off and every day but I don't, it's kind of just like throwing money down the drain and wasting my time. Like, why am I out here if I'm not going to do anything? Yeah. Um, but I mean, like a typical day would be waking up, um, not too early, honestly, like eight, eight thirty. 30. Yeah. Um, Dane doesn't have us practice in the morning. It's till like 10. So that's not bad. Um, meditate for a bit, wake up, eat, go throw, come home, stretch, work. Um, cause I, I have a part-time job that helps pay bills. Um, go back to practice, throw, lift, come back, eat, stretch, go to bed. Nice. Pretty boring. <laughs> uh, what got you in the meditation? Um, so I, I think it's a really powerful way to kind of be more aware of yourself and what you're trying to accomplish and also to facilitate more mental control in meets. Um, I, I never really got nervous through college at, at many big meets um 
but I think just meditating makes it easier to center yourself and really focus on what you're doing when you go out and throw. And it's also got a lot of health benefits. Um, One guy that Dane and I have been looking at um, to kind of model his breathing and meditation technique is this guy, Wim Hof, who's just this lunatic who will like submerge himself in ice water for like an hour plus and swim under the ice or run a marathon in Finland in the winter in shorts. He's a lunatic, but the reason he's able to do all that stuff is um, because of his meditation breathing exercises. So kind of tried to copy off that a little bit and use it for throws and lifting. So you kind of picked that up like after college or? Yeah. 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 Um, I meditated a little bit my senior year in college, but not a ton. But, you know, now that I'm a professional, every edge that I can get is something that I'm willing to invest in and take. Um, So kind of just started last year. Yeah, I, I try to do something like that. Um, I admit I was like, I really should have done more research on it. Like, I, I guess the thing is when I think of like meditation, I think of it like when I was doing yoga all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, was just like kind of like that. If you've ever done like the end of a yoga session where you just kind of lay down and they kind of just like yeah, I think take that, a deep breath. Like I, I was well. I was trying to work at that, but I could never felt like I could get to that point where it's like really affecting me and really like loosening me up and like just relaxing me i think yeah i think i think i think there's certain ways to do it um we just have to be a little more knowledgeable i I think uh yeah i mean it takes time and also everybody's a little different and is going to react to things in their own way cool cool so um we uh probably your first meet coming up um Mm -hmm. in the next month or so is is someone that throws chats co-sponsoring um is the uh Grand Valley State um, Big Throws Clinic. What can you tell us about the this upcoming competition? Because you competed in it last year. Oh, it's so fun. Yeah? <laughs> yeah. I mean, how often do you get to throw a discus inside and, like, actually see it fly? Um, plus the people going, um, honestly, it's going to be, like, half of garage strength, like, is going to be the field. I think we've got, like, five throwers throwing disc there. Um, so it's all people that you know and you've seen around. And because it's by the holidays, it's got, like, a very nice holiday feel. I think Alex Rose and James Plummer wore, like, Santa hats while they were throwing last year. So, I mean, it's obviously a, a serious meet, but we don't take ourselves too seriously. Yeah. And it's it's just really fun. Yeah, no, it, it, it's a fun time. That was, that was one of my favorite parts of the meet is just, like, uh, going out and just watching you guys. Because actually what I kind of like about it is it is a serious meet in terms of, like, the competitors involved. But the lax environment, I think, yields to, like, a really interesting competition that yeah, I think yeah. not too many people get to Plus, experience. like, it's December. There's no money on the line. So, you know, you're not expecting to go out and smash, like, a 65-meter throw. You're just trying to get a gauge of kind of where you currently are at and obviously compete. Um, but it's not super high stakes. So it, it's more of just a high-intensity, fun training meet. See, what I think is, what, what I think is nice about it is um, – I think it's a, I think it's one of those things that makes uh, throwing, uh, especially the disc is more of a spectator sport. Mm-hmm. Is um, that event? I feel like it's so easy because of the way the uh, the indoor track is laid out, you can basically sit on bleachers like mm-hmm. on the second level and just watch discs fly for like yeah. an hour and a half. Like that's where I recommend like if you're in the area, even just coming out to support the discus throwers in that in that vein, like can do a lot. Yeah, oh, for sure. And it's always awesome actually getting a crowd at a throwing event because it doesn't happen too often. 
<laughs> Especially sometimes, like when you're sectioned off the side, and then it's yeah. just kind of like. Yeah. But I mean, I, I think crowds are legitimately useful um, for meets. They just provide a lot of extra energy. Yeah. It probably it probably would have been nice if you had like a big crowd to see your 67 year for so. Yeah, that would have been cool. <laughs> Said I had uh, my parents, Noah's parents, some other parents from the meet. And uh, my girlfriend, and that, that was uh, that was everyone. Everyone so. was trying to warm it up with like <laughs> yeah. hot cocoa and stuff. <laughs> well, that's awesome, Sam. I thank you for having me on. Um, where can people find you on social media? Um, so I'm on Instagram as at track and feels like the letter N feels. Um, kind of kind of puts that. He has me. He has my favorite Instagram account now, <laughs> a Instagram account name that I've ever heard. And when I saw him come up with that account and up there, I was legitimately pissed because I'm like, I wish I thought of that. Yeah, so. I was trying to. I mean, because people have clever like handles and stuff, so I was like, oh, if I'm gonna make one, I'm not gonna take this seriously. I'm throw her. No one cares. So I had to, had to sit there for a while, think of it. Got a good name. Originally had Pepe the Frog as a as my little avatar thing, but then he was branded a, a hate symbol, so I had to change that. Yeah. So now it's me wearing vampire teeth. <laughs> so that's at track and feels. Yes. Excellent. Uh, you have any other stuff that people can follow yet? Um, no, not really. I mean, no. I've got a Twitter account, but I'm not very active there. Um, my Facebook's kind of private, so basically just Instagram. And or, people, you know, come to Grass Strength and train with us. Yeah, and that's what I was going to say. People can also kind of support you um, just through even helping out Garage Strength, helping out that crew. Yeah, or uh, Earth Fed Muscle, too. Probably got to plug those guys. Oh, um, yeah. Earth Fed Muscle is probably <laughs> some of the greatest supplements you <laughs> yeah. ever have. Uh, all organic, natural supplements. Go to earthfedmuscle.com. Yeah. No, they are actually really good supplements. Oh, yeah. So, no, I love it. Yeah, like I, I use their stuff religiously, and I think that is another thing that's made a difference um, between college and, and now is just – being more religious uh, with the supplements and getting good stuff instead of like the cheapest protein that I can find because I'm a broke college student. Yeah. Now I'm a broke thrower, but I need the supplements. <laughs> yeah, pray at the Church of Way. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, I thank you for coming on again, Sam. I hope you have a good season and good luck to you, man. Oh, thanks, man. It's good to be on here. All right, that wraps up Throw Shad Podcast. Now coming up on December 16th and 17th is the Grand Valley State University Big Throws Clinic. Jason, tell us a little bit about what throwers can expect from the clinic. Throwers can expect from the clinic uh, three of the best throws coaches in the United States, and Dane Miller from Garage Strength, Justin Rohde of Rohde Sport, and Sean Denard, who's also the coach at Grand Valley State. There will be classroom lectures, learn-by-doing sessions, and a weightlifting seminar hosted by Dane Miller. We'll also be hosting three throws competitions, one of which is a first-ever indoor whammer competition, an over-underweight shot put competition, and the third annual Indoor U.S. National Discus Championship, where over five 60-meter discus throwers shall be competing. Throwers who register for the GVSU Big Throws Clinic under the referral code Rody Sport will receive a free four-week special strength program designed for shot and discus throwers. Along with that, Rody Sport will be offering huge discounts on shot put gloves, lifting straps, apparel, and wrist wraps. For more information, Visit throwschat.com and click on the Throws Clinic tab.